Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I think we're live. I think if my eyes can see, there's a couple of viewers, so let's do it. This is the OKS Hunter Podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks, if that's just me with the freezer. It's your tag, you hunt how you want. This is OKS Hunter. Hey, welcome to the OKS Hunter Podcast. Coming at you from not the OKS Hunter Podcast studio. We are in St. Lawrence, New York. What, New York? Uh, I guess technically Clayton. Clayton, New York. That is quiet. Is it quiet? Okay. I'll raise it yeah, up. Sure. That's a little, maybe a little better. Uh oh. Oh, that was on purpose. What? I had to cut that music short. anyway we're brought to you by half rack go to half-rack.com use code ohp save yourself 15 percent off they just launched their new cooler the meat lug it's ginormous um i think you can fit three 30 packs in there with a full bag of ice and have room to spare Uh, but really i think the design is meant to be for like packing out meat so um the story or the word on the the word in the deer woods is that you can fit a whole dough on that thing quartered out deboned uh, with that bag of ice and you wanted to fly with that i've heard that people have done it so really? that's a thing that's a thing <laughs> make sure you check out our other partners latitude outdoors use code ohp um the method two saddle is what i use it's a great two-piece system we had it at foam fest last weekend on saturday and uh countless people were in the saddle trying it out um flinging arrows from it and uh really enjoyed it from what i heard greg was Pretty happy to be leading on that front and training people, educating people, and showing them how to use it. Also, uh, we're showing off the Spartan Forge app. We gave away a number of uh, annual subscriptions there. So if you were able to attend, you folks won some annual subscriptions there to Spartan Forge. And uh, is your thing going? Is it working? Did it pop out? Uh Uh-oh. And then additionally, check out uh, Go Wild. They were able to give us uh, a trad bow, a recurve bow, and also a Garmin watch. I forget which one, but it was like $550. So, uh, courtesy of those guys, they sent some great product to give away. We gave away, it ended up being about $4,500 worth of product at Foam Fest, uh, for raffles. And we did give away uh, a bow to the most average score. So everyone that shot the course, we, so we, we added up the total, uh, sum of everybody's total score and then divide that up by the number of shooters. And the average score was 243, and someone had 243 as their total score, so they won the, 
the bear legit ready to hunt bow. So thanks bear archery for sending us a couple of bows. And then we had a, a, a woman's bow is pink. I mean, it could be a man's bow if they wanted pink, but uh, Derek, our co-host, his daughter is her four, fifth, fourth birthday, fifth birthday. No, fifth birthday. I think it was fifth. Could have been four. I don't know. Derek left to correct me. But anyway, Penny won the, she won the pink bow. So it was like the best outcome that we yeah. could have a- anticipated. Keep it in the Super serendipitous, but awesome. But uh, so anyway, the background looks pretty different today. If you're watching on the live stream, I can't respond to any comments because the computer's far away. I can't respond to Instagram because the phone's far away. So if you comment, thank you. Chat amongst yourselves. I can't, <laughs> I can't do anything about it. Um, but I'm sitting here with Bailey Egbert. Did I say your last name right, Bailey? Yeah. I'm known to get last names wrong a lot. Yeah, uh, Bailey is the host of the world's worst fishing podcast. Yeah, that's right. Cheers uh, to that. Cheers the, to that. So it's funny because we're the okayest hunter, but Bailey runs the Serious Angler podcast, which is a really legitimate and serious fishing podcast. Bailey himself is a, uh, would you call yourself a pro kayak no. angler? No. Like, but, but you win tournaments. You've won, like, you've held giant checks. I'm an enthusiast. Do you, there's no you like, way I'm an enthusiast. I think a pro have that label. You have to do it for a living. Okay. That's fair. But you, you do it really well on the side. I've put a lot of time into it. I'll say. Yeah. So, but anyway, this is a deer hunting podcast, but uh, we're here for a fishing <laughs> event for our day job. So I thought, yeah. well, I don't want to miss an episode. And I asked if you could come on the podcast to talk about deer hunting. Cause you're a New Yorker upstate New Yorker. Western technically, but yeah, I mean, all over the state. Really. Well, okay. And you, you've shared some deer hunting stories with me from you and your brother. And, yeah. um, I thought, well, Hey, you do deer hunt. And if, uh, if Fletcher comes walking through that door, he can join us. We'll plug in another mic, but I don't talk about maybe just your heritage with deer hunting growing up and why you chose to become a fishing person, not a deer hunting person. Really the, the upbringing was same on par in regards to fishing versus hunting. Uh, I think actually my family was more into hunting than they were actually into fishing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, my entire life, I've always veered towards the trail less traveled, if that makes any sense, which kind of makes sense why I went fishing when my whole family's diehard bow hunters. Uh, but essentially it was, um, you know, my dad was taking me hunting when like, he'd give me like his hammy down and it'd be like a dress on his jacket. Like I was, yeah, it was pretty, him carrying me basically into the woods, into a blind to, uh, be freezing cold during gun season. Um, I don't know. It was just one of those things. My parents always had me out outdoors to begin with from before I could even well, I caught my first fish. I don't even remember. I was so young. I have no memory of that. So uh, for me, like for hunting, it was always to, you know, it was super cool watching dad come home with the truck and all camoed out deer in the back, you know, and then we'd be eating good for months on end. And uh, it was almost like a thing where it's like, I just wanted to be of age to where I can go and help put food on the table mm-hmm. with my dad. And then uh, I learned quickly growing up, my dad, this is my, his fault, which I give him all the credit for, which I'm glad it happened, but he's not a kind of guy that can go 50% into something. If he, if he has a passion, he goes 100% full bore OCD over passionate about it. Uh, and that's how I, what I did for fishing, but also had a phase where I really did that for bow hunting. Um, when I had finally gotten my hunting license and uh, my bow hunting license up here in New York, uh, for whatever reason, the the drive was crazy to go out and shoot my first deer. And the week before season started, I broke my collarbone. So there was no oh, possible way that I was pulling a bow back. So I had to wait till the next season. 
So uh, all, dude, that's like, that's a lot of buildup. Yeah. For like, no, that's worse than like if a boxer takes a swing and misses. It's kind of like that. Pretty much. It's a lot of wasted energy. It, it was, it was like months and months of practicing from, you know, my first ever like hunt where I was actually like hunting blue able balls. to have, yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. It was a tease is what it was. Uh, and so I wasn't able to, to hunt. I still went out and sat in the sling with my dad out in the stand and all that. But, uh, like, were you the kind of kid that was just like kicking rocks? Like, oh man. Yeah. I was pissed every yeah. morning, but like, I was also going to be more pissed if my dad didn't wake me up to go with him. So it was one of those things where it's like, I was just excited for the next year. And it was just kind of one of those things where for me, like I enjoy hunting on my own because I love the more, I guess the serenity of it, where everything kind of calms down as soon as you start going in the woods. So your, your thoughts, everything in your brain just kind of turns off. Uh, but for me, hunting was always a thing that I did to bond with my dad, my uncle, my brother. Um, yeah, my brother and I are hunting buddies, that sort of thing. And for me, for fishing, my brother is for hunting. So he's got that crazy wild passion for it um but ever since then it was just like a thing i did for you know family no, it's a family much. thing yeah and you'd be bow hunt and gun hunt so you do yeah. still do both i know some people that it's a family thing but therefore they only really gun hunt yeah um the fact that you still bow hunt so like how do you when do you switch those gears because fishing's like gonna go on for a while longer here before it gets too cold and you're pretty hardcore with that so when does that switch happen for you so uh really when i got full bore into fishing obviously it conflicted because the fall is an amazing time to fish in New York. And obviously that conflicts with bow season. Um, cause our starts October 1st. Um, really, it's not really a switch gears for me. It's a try to squeeze in target practice and putting out cameras and then finding days that would really, really suck fishing wise, which actually is kind of nice because like bow season, if it's a nicer day is when I'd go bow hunting because nicer days in the fall suck fishing wise. So then when it's nastier out, I go fishing and I don't go to the sand. But then there's some days where it's like, if there's crazy pressure drops or whatever, I'll be like, ah, I which one go. do I pick? I know I want to go smallmouth fishing, but I also should go sit in the stand because pressure drop, they're going to be moving. So it, I don't know. It was one of those things I have to teeter with. But uh, what I always told my brother was, let's, let's try to tag out fast so that we can go back to fishing for the rest of the fall. <laughs> At least when does season, season open in New York for Bo? So October 1st until uh, I think it's the second weekend in november and then we have like two or three weeks of gun season okay that's a long gun season and then is your bow season over or does it extend into a, like a late season in like january we have a late bow uh for certain counties it's not the whole state um certain counties and it's only it's antler only um for like the last it's like one week after uh gun season's over and have you have you hunt other nearby states because like everything's with like pennsylvania's right that's not yeah. far. Like there's a lot of other nearby states that would have good whitetail hunting. Have you ventured out in other states or no? Yeah, there's great whitetail hunting in the Northeast. I've never gone out of state. So just, yeah. And it's always been one of those things for me where it's like, for whatever reason, I mean, we had uh, the privilege of having, you know, private land and all that really close to home. And it was always good. We always had great amount of population, but also, uh, you know, a great maturity of bucks. It was just like one of those things like, I don't need to. And I never really had that. I don't know for whatever reason, I've never had the drive to go on a hunting adventure or a trip or anything like that. Whereas fishing, it's like, yeah, I want to go to Texas and go fish in Texas. I've never had the, I want to go hunt a different state. I don't know. I never really had that push. Well, and, uh, so we've been hanging out with all these pro anglers and like 
Justin Atkins, and we asked him this question, like, if you weren't a pro angler, what would you be? He said, pro deer hunter. But he's like, not because I'm good at it, because I just want to hunt all the time. Yeah. And uh, he actually seemed like he assimilated with the OKS hunter as a deer hunter, which I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, because clearly you're a pro angler. You do that full time. So then yeah. come hunting season, like, Fashion. he gets to take a crack at something else. It's kind of cool. Um, uh, I know Fletcher Shryak, who's staying here with us, he had said deer hunting is so addicting that <laughs> he couldn't do it because once he got a deer, he couldn't keep doing it for that season. He's like, Oh my God, now I have this big void. And, uh, I, a lot of guys will hunt multiple States so they can continue to do it and have more tags, more opportunities, more learning. Right. And I think the guys that hunt multiple States, like they kind of compound that learning. Cause if you could take, if, if you did hit, hit an early season, in Wisconsin buck in September, or you were in like Nebraska where you could do velvet in August, you could right. really kind of go on like a deer tour, kind of like the hunting public guys seem to do where they're, they're killing so many deer because they're in several states. Yeah. That's got to be expensive though, too, the, the tags for that. Yeah. But all in all, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think when you're doing that, you're accelerating your learning curve. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're basically having like several seasons in one season. Right. So that compounding effect makes it's you a better hunter. Same thing in fishing where it's like you go to a lake that has a better population of fish. You have a more, you know, control group of trial and error, you mm -hmm. know, so it's you're expanding your, your amount that you can experiment, I guess, if you will, to put yourself in more situations to help you adapt. And then it's new, new surroundings, new different things that help you learn that way. Like, I don't know, like we were just talking about, that's more, more you hunt, the better you get. Yeah. Talk about some of the, I met, so there's things with fishing where it's like, you're breaking down large bodies of water. You're looking for terrain features, you're looking for vegetation features. You're looking for, you know, depth. If this is the sun hitting the water and heating it up here, like same thing with deer hunting. If the sun's hitting a, a side of the hill and it's cooking hot, those deer are going to seek out shade. In some cases, they're going to seek out water. They're going to travel various ways, take the path of least resistance and so forth. And like, do you find as you're targeting fish and, and large fish based on the type of podcast you do, do you pull from like the fishing world and do you, do you see similarities? Yeah. Cause so you're a way better, better fisher than I, whatever, like I can't cast away. You guys do even, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Dude, this is my favorite topic. Uh, almost, I would rank it top three topic that I like to talk about on our show is the correlation be between targeting mature bucks and, and targeting mature bass because they're exactly the same. They act the same way, they behave the same way, uh, and there's a reason why both of them live as long they're as even, they do. They're territorial even, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. 100%. Like, I mean... Not to go full bore fishing here, but like, do you have a school of bass and say they're all, you know, mature, older, four or five pound class fish? They're all together. Your six, seven pound class is going to be a hundred yards off bond. It's lonesome. Exactly how a mature bucks you typically acts until the early spring or spawn when it's time to, you know, do the nasty is when they start getting grouped up with everything else, which is a better chance. That's our groups. And yeah. Yeah. Same with bucks, right? The rut. Like, that's your best time to kill a giant. So it's, I don't know. It's one of those uh, cool correlations where I see it uh, even in the pros, the guys that uh, for the most part do so well consistently and are always on bigger caliber fish are also guys that are diehard hunters in the off season. So it's a cool correlation. I love when those guys come on because I always bring this up because they think about it the same way. So it, it's, it's super cool to kind of break down the two and how similar they really are. Cause I mean, you mentioned, uh, the sun hitting a, a certain side of the mountain first same thing happens with fish especially early season and in the late fall when the water temperatures are, are cooling fish relate to the heat so if one side of the bank gets warmer before the other the majority of your fish are going to be on that warmer side of the bank or at least that's the bite's going to start getting better 
on that side of the bank because the water temperatures will rise more than if they're shade. So I don't know that whole correlation thing. It amazes me. And I love studying that. Well, so even like vegetation, you're looking for like, you know, weed beds or, or what have you Same deer, like you talk, so a term that I've heard the hunting public talk about. And then I've inquired about with my co-host, uh, Greg and Derek is high, something called high stem cone. And so if you're in an area with high stem cone, it means there's a lot of different types of vegetation coming together and converging. So you're looking for like, converging terrain so number of points that come together to, to create like travel corridors or uh high stem count may be like you know different vegetation groups are coming together and it's creating like again walls of of uh, you know ways for the deer to travel with a backdrop or they're not going to be silhouetted and they can kind of blend in and feel like they have some some cover behind them so they feel mm-hmm. safer walking that or there's just more to eat again my co-hosts aren't here they're the ones that actually know how to do this stuff i just hear about it all <laughs> but in terms of like you know fishing if it's just barren and there's nothing to eat, nothing to hide it in, nothing to like have cover, provide cover. Like that's a different fish than, you know, I see a lot of anglers targeting like where we were today. There was a lot of weeds. Mm-hmm. And, and as a okayest fisher, I'm not trying to cast in the weeds because I don't want to get tangled up in weeds all the time. <laughs> yeah. And what they were doing is they're casting right on yeah. literally on top of the disgusting, nasty mm-hmm. weeds and letting that lure plunk in and boom, they are catching fish, 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 yep. fish. I'm like, oh my God, I've been doing it wrong my whole life. I've been avoiding the weeds and you should be going right into them. That, so like, that's ha- deer hunting. Like you should be going into the thick stuff, not mm-hmm. avoiding people looking for open timber because it's like, I can move in this is a human. It's easier. Right? This isn't thick. I'm not getting thorn bushes. I can see very far. Yeah. But just because you can see far and it's comfortable for you, that's not what the deer is trying to hide up. And, and, and so the thicker you go, the, the more opportunity you're probably going to find, the more sign you're going to find. Yeah. And so with like with that, we have a saying amongst some some bass anglers is you got to put it where they live. Uh, yes, you got to hunt where the bucks live. That's like, right. This yeah. is crazy cool. It's just, it's, just, it's so similar uh, in regards to like the nastier the stuff, the more they're going to feel comfortable. If you're not putting it where they live, you're not going to catch them. You're not hunting where big bucks live. You're not going to yeah. shoot. The, you're not going to shoot them. You're not going to get them. Yeah. They like, say, you know. Put it where they live, worry about getting them out later. <laughs> so you guys have like practice days in tournaments or the pros do or what happened in kayaking you do too. But like um, uh, my cousin does uh, what I would call speed scouting. So he'll he'll scout in season, but he'll speed scout, meaning he'll just burn a property as fast as humanly possible to see if there's any buck sign on it or bucks betting on it or whatever he's like the caliber buck that he's after. And that speed scouting is a way to like, cross properties off as you're going from public land to public land to public land because if a buck doesn't live there there's no point in hunting it as far as he's concerned so if that's what you're targeting is that older age class deer like just checking like i would in the past just go sit a spot because that was the land that i could get to or i could have access to Mm -hmm. and i didn't ever stop to validate is a mature or a bigger buck living here i was just like well here's a tree i'll put up in it and like if something comes by great and like the number of hunts I've wasted just sitting there waiting for something <laughs> to happen, stance happen, was yeah. most of them. Now I learned to get a little bit more aggressive and hunt the sign. I keep going and keep going and keep going until I find the sign. And then I start to figure it out a little bit and put up somewhere. Right. Like I imagine fishing when you're doing those practice days, yep. you're just trying to locate where these fish are. But it might be different the next day. That's where I get confused with the practice days. But same thing with hunting. It could be different next week because yeah. the beans died or a doe got hot or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, and like alike hunting and fishing it's always changing uh but yeah i mean practice days for us are usually we're not trying to catch fish most of the time you know there's there's certain scenarios where you want to catch maybe one or two just to see like if there's numbers there you want to also know that there's a size class because typically in tournaments obviously bigger fish are going to win so you want to make sure that those fish live there 
Uh, nowadays, technologies change that a little bit, but for the most part, yeah, I mean, you want to cover water. Um, even if you cover a lot of water and you don't find much production, you're, what you're at least doing is same with hunting. You're finding stuff that's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, that's you're, it. you're, you're yep. racing water is what we call it. You know, it's dead water, if you will. And same thing when you're hunting, you can understand the high percentage areas. That's what we do. Um, you cover water fast, um, and just try to understand as much of the lake as you can in the time that you're allotted. Uh, and then once you can kind of figure out your high percentage areas, you, then you go and try to figure out a pattern within that area to get a fish to bite. And then, then you go to trying to figure out your cadence from a tournament. Where are you going to start? What's your ABC? What's your fallback? If these are conditions, where do you resort to there? You know, same as like hunting. Yeah, like hunting is if, like, what's the wind? What's my exit and entry point? So based on the five, three pro- properties to pick from, like I might not hunt one or two because I'm not getting the prevailing wind that I want or the, and so therefore, if I access it this way, I'm going to blow all the deer out of there with, the, with this, but my scent's going to carry through and bump them all out before I even mm-hmm. get to the stand. So like you got to have an ABC based on weather outcomes and just your availability of days that you can hunt. Like I have three children, a job and this. So like uh, if I can hunt one of those days out of the week, then I got to have different properties I can look at to access because... I want to go do a hunt, but I don't want to do a hunt if it's going to be a waste of time, so to speak. And I don't think any right. hunt is a total waste. That's not, I guess, what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, if I want to have the best odds for success, and success for yeah, me is high percentage is uh, relative. Right. Like, I'm not necessarily after mature bucks. I'm just after meat. some meat, <laughs> like, <laughs> some and medicine. some fun and some experience and like something I can yeah. put an arrow through. And compounding knowledge over the years, it's it's gotten easier to easier is relative too, but. For me, at least, I've had eyes on more larger bucks more frequently over the last several seasons because I've started to put things together, but I've not been able to dedicate the time. And I think time is the big thing that it's an asset you either do have or don't have. If you're a pro or, you know, you're a a lot of these like whitetail hunters are getting hired on by companies to be a full time hunter because they want content from these guys. And then they just get to spend all their time in the woods. If I could spend all my time in the woods, again, that compounding you're automatically effect, gonna get better. You're gonna yeah. get better and you're gonna have more sightings, more opportunities. More but jam. if you can only go like five times a season, you gotta try to be like I say, some people work smarter and harder. I'm like, work smarter and harder. Yeah. You know, do like, both. go do some speed scouting, burn through some properties, like see what you can do. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. But you have a, a really ginormous kayak. That has some propulsion power, <laughs> yeah, backed by some great batteries, as the hat denotes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, shout out to XU Power for you know helping us be here. But I would say, if I if I were you, I would be really curious to be like, I'm gonna go fish and bring my pole, but I'm also gonna bring my bow, and I'm gonna just have the camouflage in the bag. And if I bump into some nice areas that I know public is around, I might just dock this kayak and go hunt for a little bit, and. Like Parker McDonald in the whitetail in the whitetail world, he hosted Mark Kenyon from Meat Eater from Wire to Hunt and did a he taught him basically this is how I kayak hunt. And and Parker, um, Southern Collective, I forget what he's just rebranded. Um, he he's known in the whitetail community as like one of the podcast or one of the um kayak, aka podcasters, but he does kayak uh water access almost exclusively. Hmm. So he's kayaking into these like islands off of river bodies and uh he's getting opportunities at some really cool deer because he's mitigating the hunting pressure yeah. a lot of people do do it that way but way less than anyone that's just gonna park somewhere and walk in yeah than so, your average state land that is then you're getting potentially yeah. more opportunities at sightings and and, and to kill them and like there's nothing 
more like in my opinion it just looks so freaking cool when you got a buck piled up in a, in a kayak yeah and you're that's how you're dragging it out and i think yeah. the dragging out then part's really easy yeah, you just float easy. it down the river <laughs> yeah like have you ever considered that oh 100 have um, you done it or no like maybe you I've, have i've tried it a couple times i've tried the old new york surf and turf we'll call it uh where you try to go after your walleyes in the morning and then you know transition throughout the day um i i've never really had any success i've only tried it uh you know i think twice officially did you have any sightings uh, at least or anything or no oh yeah okay yeah, for sure um my That's problem some is, measure of success yeah the, the only problem for me is in new york a lot of our bodies of water uh when I'm fishing, I like that time of year anyways, I'm well offshore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just where my mind goes back to where you need to be doing it back in some of our rivers or Southern, you know, marshes that, you know, they have like the creeks that feed back into them. Um, and I just, the fishing then is like zero, zero back in there. So that's part of my problem. But one, a buddy of mine uh, does a lot. We'll go and do a Creek float for walleye. Um, and he brings like his 30, 30 and stuff. And he's killed one doing that. Um, yeah, you can shoot. I don't know about New York, but in Wisconsin, you can shoot from the flotation device because the river is c- considered public. Yeah, I, I I don't know. There there was a regulation I read a number of years ago that that broke that down. I had to get some clarity around it because I forget like retrieving and how that all works. But you could quite literally shoot from like your canoe, kayak, whatever, as long as there's no like mo- um, gas powered motor. So I think if you have like electronic trolling motor, that still counts. It can't just be like right. it has to be like a, a canoe or something like yeah. that, and then you could. And I think your kayak is so damn big and stable. You could fully attempt to do it that way. If yeah, probably like, could. you're coming up on an oxbow and a bend, those, those <laughs> yeah. deer tend to, to bed down in those quite often. Yeah. How many times you, how many times do you spook deer when you're a lot. going down a river, you know? Yeah. I mean, because of, from the kayak, I mean, it, it's so quiet. Right? It can it's, be. It's yeah. not intrusive. Um, and there's so many times where, I mean, some of our lakes we have in New York are, are nine, nine and lower. So there's no houses on them cause they're the water source. What is for, nine, nine? Mean? So like 9.9 horsepower and lower. So got like it, got it. Okay. The big two fifties we were around this week. You can't, <laughs> t- you can't take those out there. Um, and so there's no houses on them because they, they are the water source for some of the cities. Uh, so it's nice because there's no jet skis, no nothing. It's kind of you and yourself in the mor- most mornings when mm-hmm. you go out there and there, I can't tell how many deer and stuff I've been able to creep up to because they have no idea that i'm even there i exist um so i mean i I see them all the time um i just never really i guess i really really put the concerted effort to trying to accomplish that but you know with the youtube channel that's one thing i would love to do one day is to have like a accomplish a five fish limit of smallmouth but also kill a deer the same day yes my buddy's done it with walleye he's got his limit of walleye and he saw a deer put his foot up on the bank in his kayak still and shot a doe and then brought it home and had quite literally a New York surf and turf as we've called it ever since that day. That would be a really cool day of eating to get back and soak awesome. up some, <laughs> some back straps. And yeah. Just, yeah. Um, I was, uh, I was walleye on, too, man. That's good eating. Yeah. It was, it was the day I was actually supposed to go with him, but I had told my fiance I would take her on a date. So I went on date day and got a call and he goes, Probably Hey, I wouldn't have done it if you were with him. He's like, I, I need some help cleaning this deer. <laughs> I'm like, no way you did it the one day I didn't get to go. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. You no, know, the kayak thing is a really, it's a really, it's becoming a bigger and bigger draw. And like, I don't know, I'm the opposite of you or like I would be, I would just ditch the pole and go full blown. Full blown. <laughs> like, I'm like, go, oh yeah. my God, I, I need to explore this, 
this island. I need to go check it for bucks on. I need to look for beds. Like I would just be going in and in and in. Like yeah. where you guys would be like, I'm going to go explore this body of water and I want to understand it. I'm like obsessing over the whitetail side. Yeah. And when you can get in a kayak, like your, your access uh, just goes way up. Your, your opportunity of access is significantly increased. Well, yeah. I mean, you think about it, there's how many, and then those bucks are, aren't pressured. They're not touched. Right. They think they're invincible down there. They're warrior river monster bucks. Like, yeah, where most people stop at that creek or river, whatever have you, and they turn around, they use it as a boundary, whereas you can kind of use it as your asset to be quiet, get yeah. into stuff nobody else can. One of the, I think it was two years ago, I um, I put my waders on and I waded up like a stream. I wouldn't call it a river. Uh, pretty sandy bottom, like walkable up to a certain point. I think if the deepest I ever got was maybe a little below my chest and I had chest waders on. But I had my bow and like the first bend in the river I came up on, I bumped a doe sit up, stared at me and ran off. I was like, oh my God, I could, I could maybe even kill him from the river or the stream. <laughs> yeah. And I was clunking around all loud. I like didn't, I was just whoosh up the current, whoosh yeah. dragging my feet. And uh, I think, I, no, I was actually with the current, but I was like trying to get over some fall deadfall and I was being loud because I was just getting, I was just getting into this like stream. So I didn't think yeah. much of it. And then that happened. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to be silent going uh -huh. forward because there is a high probability that a buck might be laying in one of these oxbows this bend and i could kill him yeah and so then i i took like my sweet 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 time was dead silent walking up this river um and then when i actually got to the spot i shot a doe and uh passed through found my arrow the, the arrow had broken off at the fletching and then I never recovered her. The The idea that we formulated as to why was because I hit her kind of high and yeah. the blood never got to get up to that point to dump out mm. to get a good blood trail. Yep. And then the fletching stuck in her. I saw a runoff of the fletchings in her. So that could have blocked one of the, that blocked the entry hole. Yeah. So then maybe there wasn't enough blood coming out. So I don't, she may have died. Seemed like it was a great shot. Watch it replayed on our go and our GoPro and it looked like it was a good hit. Um, full pass through like it, there was like, oh, maybe you got the dead zone. I was like, I don't know. But anyway, I was like jacked because I was like, holy shit, I pulled it off. Even though it was a doe, I was trying something new. I did see a buck. It was a small spike and it was too far. Uh, but he was kind of on the opposite side of the stream. And um, I was looking forward to dr like river dragging a doe or a yeah. buck out of this body of water. And uh, it just it just didn't happen exactly yeah. the way that I wanted it to. But it was close. And that, like, I think when you take risks and you try to get out of your comfort zone and you try to explore new things and try new things, you talk about new bodies of water where there aren't fish that you're like, you don't know it really well. Yeah. That's when you start to increase your knowledge level. Like, yeah, it makes you get a little more creative. Yeah. The imagination run a little bit more wild than uh, your, your standard go in, do the same thing you've done for years. Sort of thing. Yeah. Like <laughs> something so simple, but something we overlooked for so long. Uh, was when my brother and I both were of age where we could both, you know, legally hunt, obviously. And we started getting super into it, super excited for season start every year and actually started putting some research behind it and watching YouTube, reading on stuff. And we'd always go out with my dad and just do whatever my dad would tell us yeah. to do, sit where he said, uh, told us to sit. And uh, he would never pay attention to win at all. <laughs> He'd just be like, hey, you guys will sit over here. And we're like, hey, dad, we probably should look into this thing because we're like we're bumping a lot of deer because they're smelling us. And uh, finally started doing some of that. And you can see the progression of actually like taking the time to, hey, let's try some, even well, some, something so simple and beginner as breathing wind. 
when it comes to hunting. Reading wind was, that was the first big step in my whitetail hunting yeah. journey of like leveling up. Cause I never, for initially I would never pay attention to it. Like when right. I was gun hunting as a teenager and my dad had that green soap, I thought I was good. I was like, no, they can't smell me now. I got dirt spray and green soap. <laughs> I am invincible. <laughs> like we're good. I, like it didn't even occur to me that their noses were that good and they see the world with their nose and yeah. they smell to molecular level and all that. Like, yeah, I was a teenager. I don't know. I was like, cool. I showered with this stuff. Like we're good. The deer aren't going to smell me. Yeah. And, it, and I also had no concept of wind whatsoever. So eventually, you know, I understood wind. I understood like scent mitigation to some degree. And then, um, like understanding thermos comes into play. There's yep. just water access. Like there's just so many things that come into play and it's still happening. Right. You know, I still am going to learn something that is going to like completely change my thought process. In fact, like last year I learned from Derek who does a show with this um, rub clusters and what that means. These bucks yeah. are burning daylight just, just around their bedding area before they start to make their trek to wherever their food destination is in like last light conditions. And so the tighter you get to that bedding, the faster you can intercept them while there's still daylight. Mm -hmm. And so if you find a rub cluster, that's like money. And, and a rub cluster is very different than like a signpost rub where all the bucks are doing it as like a big, you know, this is the big tree they all rub. That's a different, that buck is going way out of his bed to like communicate something yeah. versus when they're doing rub clusters, it's like they're very comfortable. They're in their bedding area or slightly there around it. And like, that was like, whoa. I think I found a rub cluster once, but I didn't realize that's what I had found, yeah. which is different than a rub line. And I was like, you know, what other piece of information? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, in the hunting public talks about scent, uh, scent bumping a deer where you lightly bump the deer. Yeah. So then they will come back because you didn't completely scare the crap out of them yeah. by trudging through, banging yeah. everything around like a bat out of hell and taking a mm -hmm. shot at it. Like those are, there's different tactics you can apply to like gain some learnings. And it's a never ending puzzle piece. And it changes every season. Every season there's a new challenge or, or yeah. what have you. And it's like, and getting mobile. So like with your kayak, like right. if you got a saddle and you got a platform and suddenly now you're like getting into trees and stuff. Yeah. And the kayak game is just. I can, if I can hunt, cause my October is crazy. I've determined I might have maybe one or two mornings possible to hunt in October. Uh, I will be hunting from a saddle this year. It'll be my first year doing it. No doubt. Good. Which one are you yeah. going to get? Do you know yet? uh basically you want to you get, get a discount on the method too <laughs> <laughs> no my brother uh has a whole system i think it's tethered, tethered uh, he yeah, left behind he moved up to utah he got a whole new setup basically because he forgot it so he's just like <laughs> hey you can take mine now so That's now cool. i got a free saddle set up to go yep. and uh experiment with i got a piece of public that i want to try this year that found late gun season last year that i think has a lot of potential so it's that's going to help me more than trying to trudge around a climber yeah climbers are hard because it limits your tree selection mm -hmm. um i've never hung out with a climber i never There's things like I never had the appeal of the appeal for it i think they're safe but then if you have to like poop that's yeah. gonna be the long, longest climb down a tree i've ever had in my life yeah. <laughs> like i've never considered jumping down like get me out of this thing you know yeah yeah um for sure i mean it takes time to get out of other stuff too but yeah. i don't know i just feel like shimming down a tree i'm just looking more forward to being more adaptable to where i'd like to hunt whereas like a climber obviously yeah, you got to pick one pretty, no limbs it's like yeah. straight no limbs but if you have a saddle and a platform yeah you, you can pick of the litter yeah you can kind of get really creative with it yeah i don't think many people in new york are doing that uh a lot of our public land here in new york to 
at least I know there's some folks that hunt it well. A lot of people don't hunt it very well. Who are some of the notable hunters here in New York? Do you know of any? I, don't, I probably would if I heard them or if I could think about it for a second. But um, I, I, Some of the best hunters that I know here in New York uh, don't have any social media. Sure, have nothing common, like, actually. Yep. They're the, uh, the blue collar yeah, nine to five. Yeah. All they care about is just getting back for the last three hours you know, of daylight type of deal in October or the weekends or the, or the people that literally take off the, from like two days from Halloween till like November 5th. That's the only time they take off just for mm-hmm. that time of year. Um, we don't, I wouldn't say we have anybody that people would even know about. Sure. Yes. In New York. Um, and it, I'm sure we, we might even do, I'm just not the guy that would know of that. Yeah. Like if my, you ask me, hey, who are the know. fishers in Wisconsin? I'd be like, no, Tom Kimos? I don't know anybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Same deal. Same deal. I'm sure my brother would know who they were, but yeah. Yeah. If he listens to it, I'll have to, maybe I'll message in. I don't know if he's. I'll, I'll send this there. to him. Yeah. 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 Go comment on that. Tell us who it is. He, he's currently on a, I showed you pictures. He's on a backpacking mission, camping mission, solo trip, whatever, soul searching in Yellowstone. That's cool. By That's right. That elk. Yeah, elk. He uh, he came up with uh, he came twenty yards away from a grizzly. Oh gosh, it's got some sick photos of it. Uh, I think he's going down this path of uh, he tried to be a, a state trooper here in New York, and he got all the way to the end, and they told him he was too young. He was twenty one, so he kind of like lost hope of. He still wants to be in law enforcement, but he's really found this new passion for photography. I think it's because. When he's out there, he obviously he's a hunter. He loves to shoot something. He's like, well, if I can't shoot it with a bow, I might as well shoot, shoot it with something. Yeah. <laughs> he's a camera for now. Uh, but he's always, he moved out there just because like, uh, he loves being outside. So he went and. Does he come home for hunting season at all then or no? Do you think he will? I don't know. He moved out uh, five recent. months ago. Okay. So he's just been out there every single weekend. He leaves on a Friday and camps overnight and just goes and explores mountain ranges by himself. Goes back Monday He'll morning a for work. or something. That's cool. Yeah, so he, he's he's living life over there, but uh, it'll suck because it's my hunting buddy. Yeah, I don't have a hunting buddy. <laughs> what kind of stories do you have uh, that stand out in your mind? We, I mean, of course, I want to know some of your okayest okay hunter moments because <laughs> if lot. you're not hunting as much as you're fishing, I guarantee you have a, a bunch. You got to mm-hmm. rattle a couple off. If you got any good ones with him to start, it'd be cool. Yeah, I'll start with the best one, and it'll go down probably as the best hunting story I'll ever have in my entire life. Because we both agreed that it'll never happen to us ever again. Yeah, well, first of all, he moved away, so that's... Well, that too. Uh, <laughs> that, too. <laughs> that too, but uh, I'm hoping at least to go out there and maybe do some uh, some elk stuff. Or, But regardless, um, we had... Him and I, uh, especially during COVID, was... I got laid off when COVID started. I came back from internship, had a job for a couple months, um, and really was laid off until I started at Gunpowder with, with you guys. Um, uh and that gave us a lot of time. Uh, I was trying my freelance thing at the time. So really, really my schedule is what I wanted to make it. And he was in college, so he wasn't really working at the time. So we got to hunt a lot. Uh, and I think that really helped us that year because we went full bore into it. And there was one day, uh, it was October 14th. So we had season for two weeks. Um, and we weren't going to go out the next day. Uh, we actually had something we had to do. We couldn't remember. We we had until like 11 a.m. or something like that. We weren't going to go out. But at 9.30, he comes running into my room. and He goes, hey, the forecast changed. You see there's a pressure drop. I'm like, all right, let's go pack the truck. So we went and packed the truck super last mm-hmm. minute in bed by like 11 p.m. Woke up uh, at 4, got everything uh, set. And we were a little bit running a little bit late because the sun started coming over the mountain where we're at. Uh, and this was a piece of private property. Uh, it was about so 20. You're late to the woods. 
yeah. typical OKS hunter yeah. move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah, call that as I we, see it. <laughs> we made the uh we made the the old burn dairy, which is a little gas station slash uh, you know, a little mart type of deal to go get our breakfast sandwiches, you know, oh, yeah. chocolate yeah, milk. Got, in Wisconsin, see everyone's going to quick trip. Exactly. Same, same deal. Um and so we were a little bit late to the woods, sun was coming over, it's a twenty acre property. We had it pretty dialed, obviously being that small. Um and so what we had is towards the end of the property, there was a really deep ridge line. Um, and when looking at it on the ridge line on the left side and the right side, it's almost identical. So you'd have about 50, 60 yards of open timber and then into pines mm-hmm. on both sides. Uh, on top of it was, uh, was kind of where they would feed a lot of, there's a lot of apple trees, uh, farm fields, corn fields, all that. This isn't your up. private land, right? This is the private. Okay, it is. Okay. Yeah. So this was actually my grandfather's best friend. That was. He's like, you come whenever the hell you want. Make it yours. Cool. Come hunt whenever you want. And the deal's like, we'd come over for dinner and make him venison. Yeah. He was super cool dude. Um, below that property was all like the thickest mar like marsh and thickets you could think of. That's where they would bed. So we were on the highway essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's a pond right where we park. We walk down into. Uh, it was just light enough. We could see sun coming in the mountains dark enough where we couldn't really see too much in front of us. And we start going, making our trek down into the woods. We kick something up to begin with. We couldn't see what it was, but like when you hunt enough and you, you kick up enough deer, deer. You, yeah. can, you can tell by the sound of like how hard they're hitting. Like you can almost tell the weight, of yep. how big that animal is. And we knew it was big. We just couldn't see what it was. Uh, they went up. Uh, and to this day, we, this will come full circle. Um, we get basically almost to his first stand he's on the left side of the ridge i'm on the right um and so you have to walk i have to walk all the way up and around to get to my stand which magic i found this perfect spot on this property and this open timber on the right side of the uh this ridge are two pine trees with a giant oak in the middle okay so i climbed up carved like cut a hole out of it and everything like the july before and had a climber up in there um we get almost his stand. He goes, crap, I forgot my phone. And so I'm like, I'm like, do you need it? He goes, nah. He goes, ah, I might as well go get it. Cause he likes to sit on his phone. We send He's stupid like, I can't, stuff. I can't sit here with that. Yeah. It's millennials. Uh, but he, so he comes, uh, I go, my, like, all right, I'm going to go to my stand. I'm going to get settled. I get over to my spot. I'm up. I get up my climber. I'm set. Everything's good to go. Um, I get a text from him. He goes, I'm way back in. And a couple minutes go by, I go to text my fiance, good morning, because it's about that time she's getting off for work. And I get, as a mid-text, I get a text from my brother that says, legs coming towards you, can't see what it is. And about yeah. that time, I look up, and all I see is rack coming straight to where I want him. Yeah, I'm just like heart pumping, like that same adrenaline rush we've all experienced. And it's like, oh crap, oh crap. I'm like, easily, first thing I know, that that would be the biggest deer in my life. Um. And just from a simple point of like, also I was fishing super good this time of year. So I was like, I want to put these things down so I can go back to fishing. Uh, and so, <laughs> so I'm extra motivated because yeah. I'm like, I just want to get this white tail down. Yeah. But yeah. I have the same sense, but it's usually because I want to make my wife happy because she yeah. would prefer I'm not hunting. <laughs> yeah. Fill this tag, get this over with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've been practicing so much because obviously like I was saying COVID year, so we didn't have much to do besides practice and scout and, uh, this thing comes perfect down the line. What are my shooting angles? 
got it at 25. It's a beautiful, probably four or five year old deer. We never actually aged it. Uh, which four or five year old buck in New York is good because usually it's a yeah. You want the buck with the dad bod, you the, yeah. You want that saggy belly, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a beautiful deer. I think it was a little bit over. I think it was like one fifty three, um, and drew back on it. Perfect shot. Went twenty yards. Heart shot. Died. Watched it die, and uh, <laughs> I get a text from my brothers. Fuck yeah, like he watched <laughs> yeah, it yeah. all go down. Because like from stand to stand, we're like maybe 80 yards from each other. So we can see each other. Yep. Uh, you know, it's nice to give each other the middle finger or whatever, randomly through the day, whatever. Uh, and so uh, I'm like, yeah, he's Wait, dead. is your brother older or younger, by the way? He's uh, four years younger. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're the bigger brother asshole. Yes. Okay. Yes, but he gives it worse than me. I tolerate <laughs> okay. the most of it. Because um, you love him because you're your little that's brother. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so I FaceTime my dad at this point and because uh i was like hey you know that one we got on camera this year like just killed it and i like cause I, he could see it on facetime and everything and of course i'm rubbing it in because my dad couldn't come he had to work so we're rubbing it oh in oh my god he worked from home that's great and and he's like he goes uh <laughs> he goes you let your brother know like did he see it and i'm like i don't know i look back and he hadn't gotten his stand at the time all i look back and he's at full draw on one, I think it was, his was like 137, 138. He's at full draw, shoots his, it runs up, dies. And I'm like, I'm literally on FaceTime with oh my dad my like, as it happens. And I'm like, he just killed one. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, Josh just shot one. He goes, you're bullshitting me. And I'm like, no, I swear to God. Like, he just this shot. This is the craziest like, thing. I'm not just yelling in the woods for nothing. And I, my brother goes, let's fucking go. Like, yelling across the ridge. And it was the craziest thing. Like, we knew it when once we confirmed like his deer was done uh we just like had a crazy like bear hug in the woods like went nuts we're like this is never gonna happen we ever have so again. much work to do yeah this, like, <laughs> this is gonna suck this is awesome uh and it was just like one of those moments where it's just like that was like again going back to that family thing the mm-hmm. bonding that was unreal where we we went and you know cleaned them dragged them out took them home we had a bunch of pictures with them like two beautiful deer from new york uh be able to like take those deer so close to each other watch each other shoot these deer uh and have them that like five ten minutes maybe apart was just unreal yeah that is which amazing the full circle with the deer we think we kicked up that morning were those two deer because they kicked up and they came back down we think we bumped them half a mile and they then they started coming down that's wild, man. So that's our theory, anyway. Yeah, and there's no way to totally validate that, right. but you can make assumptions, and yeah, you can we'll, think we'll it's true. In that, story. yeah, right. Like, well, we don't know, but we think, and then therefore, yeah, we'll just go with that. Like anglers yeah. that make stuff up, or like hunters do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one, man. That's uh, so. My dad and I um, both got bucks back to back last year, but not like that. Not like in the same patch of woods. Not the same morning. It was two. It was a day apart, and it was like a large stretch down a, a highway because yeah. he was but in the same town ish and uh that was Two the giants, first time dude. yeah it was the first time my dad and i archery both got really nice bucks but bucks at all and yeah. like got to take a photo with them together and like that photo's i gotta frame it like it's my kids are in it's it super and, like, cool dad, photo. it was a pretty neat experience and so my dad was hunting nearby so when i was recovering my deer he came too. He's like, can I come? I'm like, uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
like, cause I don't know if I got it yet or not. So it'd be great if you're there to help like track some blood yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And, and so you, I mean, this, the scene across this river is funny because what, what people didn't see in some cases is I'm across the river and I served down my underwear just because I was like, I don't want to get my pants wet, my boots. I didn't bring waders. I didn't anticipate <laughs> this was going to happen. Yeah. Um, Greg just happened to have hip waders in his uh, truck. So he was like, well, I'm wearing my hip waders. So I'm like, why don't you go across first and then throw them back to me? So I got to deal with all this drama. And he's like, I can't, there's too much overbrush. I'm not going to be able to like lob these to you from shore. Um, so he's like, I was like, all right, off come the pants. Yeah. Tie them around my neck. Cause I'm like, I might want to put them back on to continue to track this thing. Mm-hmm. Brought my boots, my socks, still my pack on my bow in my hand. Cause I might have to dispatch this deer. I'm not sure if it's dead or not. Well, Greg, as soon as he gets across the river, he sees the deer. He knows it's dead. Doesn't tell me. I get across the river and he's like, take a breath. Just take a breath. Look around. I'm like, don't tell me what to do. Chill out. I'm fine. <laughs> like, I got him. I got him. We're going to go figure this out. I got him. He's like, just look around. I'm like, Oh, there's some, that's a huge blood. That's a, that's a huge, that's red blood. That's good. He's like, yep. Just look around. Cause he knew. And yeah. I saw it. And I was like, Oh my God, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then all of a sudden my dad, <laughs> I looked and he's, it was like this scene from Talladega nights. How do you get to his underwear so quick? Yeah. My my dad was wearing tidy white. He's like Will Ferrell, you know. And I'm like, how do you get in his underwear so quick? I'm like, Dad, you don't gotta come over. Let's, I'll just bring it. No, 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 I'm coming over. And like, so then he did it too. He moons us, which is weird. He's like, guys, yeah. look at this. <laughs> then he pulls his pants down. I'm like, God, Jesus, don't want to see that. Come on, like, Dad, do it, you know. But yeah, and I was like, it was just like a really cool moment, yeah. like that whole that whole the whole thing. So the fact that he got to be there for, it, and then he got a deer the next day, and it was just all pretty cool. And we both uh, we weighed on my uncle had a scale, um, like an industrial, very yeah. old scale. Yeah. Um, that we weighed the deer just because I weighed a deer before, but why? Because it was there, and we could. Yeah, it was just kind not? of a neat part of the story. But um, so sharing that with someone is yeah, like it you all get better. a double header catching bass, which you got today. Yeah, like it makes it so much. You better. double up, like it's super cool because it's a. If you if you didn't get a deer, you'd be so happy for your brother and vice versa. Yeah. The fact that you both did, you got to like it elevates the the shared oh, yeah. experience to a level that's like hard to totally comprehend. Yeah, if you've never had that, it is it is one of those feel. Uh, yeah, there really is no way to describe it besides just this like this added like. If you ever like when your team wins like a huge game, like it's kind of similar on part of that. Yeah, type that's of a deal, good. Like, yes, yeah, good anecdote. So a different form of adrenaline rush, if you will. It's more. Of, I don't really know how to describe it so what's one of your more okayest hunts because that was a pretty good one i would say <laughs> uh was my first year ever bow hunting i don't know why my dad trusted me to do it but he had my uncle couldn't hunt that year so i got to borrow his climber okay and my dad was educating me on the climber he was using how to use it whatever and i'd use my dad's uh, but hit my uncle's a little different. I'm like, dude, I got this. Don't worry about it. Like, it's no big deal. Like, it's just a climber. I'll figure it out. And <laughs> pick out my tree and everything. Go scouting and all that jazz. And my dad brings walks me walks with me to my tree. Um, after we we hunted, we hunted together a few times, so I got kind of used to being in the woods with a weapon, like responsible for the weapon. And he's like, all right, it's gonna be your first one on your own. And then so he walks me to my tree and he goes. He goes, you want help putting the climb around? I'm like, no, no, I got it. Like, you go, Dad. Like, I was trying to be too grown up. And I get he it all set up. Like, all right, and let's everything. get into this thing. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. So I get it. And it's it's good. Like on the tree, I'm getting up. I'm about to the height I want to be at. And my foot slips in it a little bit. And dummy me, too excited, skip the steps of you connecting the top and the bottom together. Oh no. And you know, this goes the back to wearing the harness. Yeah, right? being safe. You know, it's not lame. Safety bottom falls 20 feet down oh to the base God. of the tree and i'm like 
uh, <laughs> dad's going to kill me. <laughs> it's not, not, not I'm going to die. It's my dad's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. And I'm sitting there, legs dangling, because I'm sitting on the, the, the rests of the top yeah. of it. And I'm like, man, this kind of sucks. Uh, for part <laughs> of a parent, you get really mad at your kids when they do stuff that can endanger themselves. Yeah. You're like, I freaking told you not to do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm are you okay? But I'm really mad at you right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So I get it. It, it was one of those. And uh, I actually debated. I'm sitting there. I'm like, could I actually sit the rest of the day like this and not like wait out how long I have to tell my dad. And uh, I was like, man, I kind of just, you know, obviously being say, I got to call my dad. And I call him and I'm like, Hey, you're not in the tree yet. Are you? And he goes, I am. Why? And I'm like, Kind of need, you, need your, your help. help. You don't need to <laughs> tell him what yet. Yeah, I, I could like see my dad's face through this phone call. He goes, What'd you do? And <laughs> I'm like, Well, the bottom fell down to the ground. And he goes, <laughs> You didn't connect. Like he just went off on me. And he, he's like, Just be there in 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I called my dad like, yeah. for not a safety situation. It was so I had gotten my first rifle. Like I was using my dad's hand me down <laughs> shotgun. It's the first deer I ever killed. I shot in the neck from like 10 yards from the ground with a 12 gauge pump first, action. First boat kill was the neck. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, I mean, the deer did not it, it dispatch in like five yards. Uh, it's a very humane way. It just wasn't oh, on purpose. <laughs> yeah. It, well, yeah. I don't know. It was crazy. But so then I was like, I'm, I'm, I want to get a rifle. So I finally forked up like whatever it was, 700 bucks, my own money and bought a rifle. Got a Remington 700, 30-06 bolt action, which I still have and I love. Yeah. And uh the first year I got to use it, there's like this blowdown leaning against the tree that I was sitting under. And so I wrapped the sling around my arm. I heard some, I heard a twig snap. I saw a movement. I rested the barrel of the gun on the blowdown. <sighs> Squeeze. Boom. Like, but I didn't see what had happened. I racked another round instantly. And I'm looking, I'm looking like, what the happened here? Did I get her? Like, what, what, what's going on? And uh, my buddies had just come over to like check in on me for lunch. And I was like, so they were just walking away and then I blast this deer. So they were like, did you just shoot something? <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, I think I just shot a doe, but I don't, it was an, ended up being a 90 yard shot. She was not running, but moving fast. Yeah. Like she was not, she was a nervous doe. She was trying to get the heck out of somewhere. So we go to the area where I thought I got her and yeah, I could see on the tree, just blood splattered on the tree. And then she, she didn't go far. And it turned up being a perfect hard shot in the center of the heart. And I was like, oh, my God, I feel like a sniper. Yeah. I was like, that was I'm the deadliest man. That was like the first time I got to use my rifle. And I was the first deer I killed with my rifle. And it was really, it felt like, you know, wow. So then I go to gut this thing. And then the only, I only got that buck the year prior with my dad. And he had gutted it for me because it was my first year ever. Yeah. I'm an adult. Like, I'm 22. Yeah. Or whatever. And, uh. So I'm like, I don't know how to gut a deer. I've never done this by myself. And the last time I got to witness it was a year ago. So now I have no, like, if you don't use it, you, you lose it. You forget it. So then I, I'm like watching YouTube, but I don't have any good cell reception. So I'm like trying to watch YouTube and prop up my phone on this like stump. And I'm trying to like, I got kind of far, but I didn't, I didn't like pull the, the, the gut cavity out. You know, I didn't really yeah. like tear that belly skin and all that stuff and like, you know, do the, right. the, you know, the anus stuff and all that jazz. Right. So I call my dad. I'm like, Hey dad, you getting coming up for lunch anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting down now. I'm like, you stop here on the way. I need some help. What do you need help with? Well, I shot a doe. I want some help gutting it. He's like, you don't know how to do it. I was like, well, I'm not really. 
no, I don't really know how to do it. And maybe this isn't exactly the story goes as far as a conversation, but he comes over. He's like, are you watching YouTube? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. He's like, holy shit. So he goes, you got a pull. And like, it looked like a scene out of Dexter. I was like, Jesus, you're really giving it to it. You know, like yeah. this blood splat. I was like, oh my God. And then, you know, now like, you just got to get it done. You just got to get yeah, it. Yeah, it's one of those done. things. No one enjoys that process. But the, the more I've done it, the I'm still pretty terrible. I like my buddy Greg who does a podcast. I'll tell you, he helped me gut the, the buck last year. I, I did it, but then he kind of cleaned some things up. He's like, you didn't do the best job. You still got some stuff in here that probably shouldn't be in here. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm not that great at it. Uh, sorry, but he is, man. Yeah. My one buddy, Joel, is like incredible at it. Yeah. Uh, forgot his knife one year and he carries a razor blade in his wallet because he's that guy. Because he's just, you never know, I might need it. And then he, but he did. And he was like, yeah. he shot two deer and got them with a razor, like single razor blade. Um, and, and did it like fast, like fa- he, he did it. He's very fast. Like, I feel like if you could picture someone with a butterfly knife, going like that's him when he's gutting deer, it's done, you know, like he'll ask, he's like, can I gut, can I gut it? I'm like, well, go right ahead, buddy. Cause I know you'll be done in five minutes. If I do it, I'm going to have sweat dripping off my nose, cussing and swearing like Elmer Fudd. And it's going to be 35 minutes. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody that excited. You just, you just kind of be like, Go nuts, pal. We're friends. We're not that close of friends. <laughs> oh, we are though. That's why I love them. <laughs> yeah. But no, that's uh that's pretty funny stuff. I don't know. It's cool to talk how these worlds kind of collide. And and I think that's it. What's it? I've said this before. Like every hunter is probably a fisher, but not every fisher is a hunter. Yeah. And I don't know if that's actually like I obviously that may or may not be entirely true, but it seems most hunters fish, but then fishing is like their leisure. But a, yeah. not every fisherman, not every fisherman is knows. hunting. Yeah. So it's cool. Like there is a blend there. There is like a Venn diagram. I think that Venn diagram like is not completely balanced in the center. I think there is no. that that yeah. crossover from the hunt category or whatever you want to call it. But yeah. um, it's cool that you were able to bail me out of not being able to do a podcast from our studio tonight. <laughs> I was stressing about it. No, dude, this it's uh I'll say it's been it's been nice to not go full bore fishing conversation. Yeah, because like, who do you know? What's going on with the classic? Yeah. Da, 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 da. yeah. How do you, I don't know. I don't know anything like that. Yeah, I mean, and you know, we've talked about it. I, I would love to sit down and talk hunting, you know, and talk outdoors, just general crazy stuff that we do as outdoorsmen and, and adventure folk. So this was this was fun. Yeah, nature, getting outside. Nature. What's that? Uh, I don't know the person. Have you ever seen the YouTube video of the guy that goes, that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. <laughs> oh, I know it's an Aspen. Tell by the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's a buck bed. You can tell by the way it is. <laughs> yeah. That's about me right there. I don't yeah. actually know what I'm talking about half the time. That video. It's a classic YouTube video. It is. I would love to see more kayak hunt content come from the serious angler. And maybe, I don't know. I, I do. I don't think anyone knows this. So maybe I shouldn't even say it. I'm not going to say it. I'll just. Yep. I'm stopping right there. <laughs> There's a different page that I manage that might be more in line. That's a fun page. It has nothing to do with anything that I just, I don't think anyone knows it's me. So I don't want to tell people now. <laughs> oh, your alias is. Yeah. <laughs> I have an alias. Yeah. It's a good outlet for me. Now people are going to be hounding But you, you have the serious dangler. Yeah. Do people know I, about I don't that? know if I'm going to keep it, to be honest. I'm and the idea there is for you to be more lighthearted. Yeah. Whimsical, fun, sarcastic. Yeah. Because serious angler, obviously, we're so focused solely on, on learning. And like our motto over there is forever a student. And that meaning that you're never trying to say yourself that you're an expert of anything or you know everything you're always striving to 
learn something, whether it's a conversation or you're out in the water or talk on a podcast, like whatever it is, you're always trying to learn. And that's how we, we have fun. Don't get me wrong on that show, but it's for the most part, it's always dedicated to learning. Um, where, so nowadays you gotta have fun. And I think with the serious angler, I mean, I thought serious dangler kind of sounds like this goober, you know, like we always thought about having like the low, like the main logo for it being a guy that just has a completely bird's nested reel to high heaven, like <laughs> some, yeah, whatever it might be. Um, but it, we, we definitely are going to have a lifestyle aspect to the brand. Uh, we just don't know what that is right now. The thing with serious dangler, it kind of collides with. So it's one extra letter, serious language. So yeah, yeah. we might need something a little bit different to break it apart. Um, but nonetheless, it's it's fun. Um, if you ever want to step yeah. down from serious, not step down like put up. I mean, if you want to like, you know, cameo on uh, and bring it down a notch from seriousness into more lighthearted beer drinking stuff, you're welcome on the OKS Fisher podcast anytime oh, yeah. with Greg and Matt. And oh, those yeah. guys will chop it up with you. They they know more than they let on. They're very humble about it, but uh, they're no pros. You know, Let's do it. Yeah, so that'd be it fun. Could be a fun one for you too. Yeah. Which, by the way, I'll just add some uh, some thoughts in here at the end. Be sure to check out our other podcasts on our network, the Onset Podcast with Elizabeth Brownell. Um, the name Onset is you know synonymous with being an Onset hunter, but it's also synonymous with just the onset of a new adventure, new beginnings, new experiences, and so forth. So it's not specifically Onset adult hunting. It's all of these things, uh, even though it might cover some of that stuff. Um, but she is herself an, an adult onset hunter. So that's where the name kind of came from. Okay. So which I just mentioned, uh, with, with Greg and Matt, Matt Strym and Greg Tubbs, they run that and they talk anything from muskies to inshore fishing for, you know, ocean salt fish to, um, bluegill and through the ice and, uh, trolling for coho king salmon and, and all those big lakers out on the great lake. Um, and by us, that's Lake Michigan. We've been on, what is this lake out here? So, <laughs> So if this what camera this could flip, yeah, yeah, we have the St. Lawrence River right here, which is connected to Lake Ontario. Ontario, yeah. Uh, and then also we have Upduck, which is the blend of upland hunting and waterfowl hunting. Those guys do great. They're super knowledgeable. There's three hosts. Um, Matt, Matt Jeske, Tyler Meaden, and Jeff Ludicky host that podcast. And uh, it's it, the through line there is dogs. All those guys have dogs, whether it's Tyler that does the hunt tests and a lot of dog training or like actual hunting for like upland plus duck hunting and waterfall. So great podcast. If you're into, into that, I think that's all the ones we have. Now we have a turkey one coming on deck soon and a habitat uh, land management coming online soon. So stay tuned as the network grows, but check those out as well. And uh, thanks for tuning into this different version of the, of the OKS hunter <laughs> podcast tonight. Uh, we'll be back to our normal normal routine next week. But uh, cheers, everybody. And thanks, Bailey, for being here. Yeah, that was fun.